Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of Business of Film, episode number 44. My name is Jesse Eichmann, and you're listening to a crafttruck.com podcast. All right, we've got a double dose of guests for you today. Uh, first, our premier guest of this episode is Rachel Ballin. She is an author of five books, uh, most recently. Uh, or not actually most recently, but the book that we talk about most specifically in this podcast, uh, The Writer's Portable uh, Therapist, 25 Sessions to a Creative Cure. And she's also the author of other books like Breathing Life into Your Characters, How to Give Your Characters Emotional and Psychological Depth, uh, and a Blueprint for Screenwriting, a complete writer's guide to story structure and character development. So we welcome Rachel to the show, and we also welcome, for the first time, a co-host to this show. This isn't going to be a long time thing, so don't get your hopes up. Although I hope he does make future appearances on the show, Mr. Jeff Glickman. Jeff, as you may know, is the host of Craft Truck's other ongoing podcast, uh, our uncut conversations with cinematographers and editors called Craft Truck Uncut. And he's the on-air personality that you see in those video interviews with cinematographers and editors on our Through the Lens and in the Cut series, which you can check out at crafttruck.com. So we welcome Jeff to the show as a co-host. We welcome Rachel to the show for this episode, uh, number 44, and we thank you for listening. Enjoy. Oh, uh, Rachel, I, I wanted to... Just say thank you for taking the time out of your day for coming on the show. Uh, for all of our listeners, uh, we're doing something a little new and, and fun here on the show today. Uh, our co-host from the other side of the aisle, Mr. Jeff Glickman, who uh, hosts our uh, Craft Truck interview series with cinematographers and editors, is here today as well. So, Jeff, say hi, hi. to everybody. Yeah, this is uh, this is could be dangerous. Uh, yeah. You and me doing this together. It could be. It could be very dangerous. Well, it could, but, could, could be a problem. All but, right, we'll do, we'll do our best. <laughs> but we're, we're here today for Rachel. Rachel, could you take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience? Just tell them a little bit about who you are and, and what it is that you do. Okay, well, I have two careers. One, I'm a writer myself and a writing consultant, and I've been doing that for 30 years, and I've been a therapist, and still I am, a writer's therapist specializing in writer's blocks and writer, you know, the procrastination and uh, things like that in an industry that's difficult. And so not only do I work with writers, I work mostly with people in the entertainment industry and uh, on their blocks and on their personal and professional issues. Uh, and as a writer myself, I've written five books on writing because I teach writing. I've taught at USC Film School and UCLA and American Film Institute, and I see as a writer myself all the problems and the you know the glory of being a writer. It's uh, it makes me more sensitive to the people who are creative. And I would say, you know, I've done I worked at Ride Television doing uh, workshops for executives, and I found out recently that some of the people I worked with, I, I was thrilled to find out that some of them are very powerful writers and directors in Rome. Wow. Aside from that, I now use writing as a therapeutic tool, combining my therapy with writing to use writing therapy for growth, personal development, and uh, for getting rid of trauma from the past. Jeff, I'm going to have to throw the first question o over to you as our honorary co-host on this one. Take it away. 
<laughs> he's ducking. He's ducking, Rachel. He's ducking. He's I'm not ducking. I've got. He's scared of you. I've got tons of questions. I just want to be clear about this. So basically, Rachel, I mean, you. Let's take you as a writer out of the equation just for a second. Absolutely. Not because we want to. No. We want to d- diminish your achievements as a writer, but more so because this is. Jess, can we swear on this? We can. This is this is a swear friendly podcast. Okay, this is pretty fucking cool. You, Rachel, you, <laughs> you. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on the you. You uh, are are actually an expert in terms of. So are are you how are you telling me that in general, uh, in your services as a writer therapist, writers will come to you with either writer's block, depression about being a writer, um, uh, issues with the life of a writer, whether it's being in a writing room with other writers on a TV show, whatever, and say, I need to talk about my issues and I need a writing-focused therapist who understands the various uh, kinds of uh, professional conundrums and, by extension, emotional conundrums I'm getting in. Is that, do uh, I have that right? I think that's interesting that you're saying that. That's a very good question because usually it's more that people would come to me talking about their script. Okay, cause I'm oh, okay, so they come and say, I can't yeah. figure out my script. Or they come to, and say, you know, would you, I do script consulting, so they'd say, I'd like you to consult my script. And I see, or they come in and they would, this is a perfect example, somebody would come in with a script, never, people are not that, I don't think, reflective, where they say, oh, I'm feeling this or that. Uh, people, that's usually coming from their unconscious. But they're stuck or they're blocked or they don't like their script or they've written their script 450 times and they can't get it right. All these are, you know, symptoms of other issues. So oftentimes they come in, put the script down. This is more general. And we start talking and I say, well, what's your script about? Blah, blah, blah. Where are you stuck? And I, and I get to know that that problem has nothing to do with the script. Okay, so the script, you're saying the script is really a, 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 a kind of a, a projection of some larger issue in their life. Right, so I, I try to make a okay. diagnosis. Is it the script or is it the writer? So when they go to other consultants, they just, you know, look at the script. But my profession, being that I'm both a therapist and a script consultant, I can look at the writer, and that's, you know, that's where all creativity starts. So the script is just, uh, they aren't even aware that, oh, yes, this is about my father and I, and we had a horrible relationship, you know. Uh, It's just amazing how when people write a script or a book or a novel or whatever, it's usually revealing so much about who they are. It's funny that you should say that, though, because a lot of the time, you know, people will say things like you want to put a little bit of yourself in the material, but not necessarily that much of yourself in the material. So it's not because you're always trying to obviously create and be creative in the process. And so, sure, in every script, there's a little bit of the writer that's like their, their, their own person that, that's in it. But my question to you is, are, are you suggesting that there's way more involved in the creative process that's coming from within the writer and, and those issues that you want to dive into rather than just kind of just looking at the script objectively? Like, do you actually look at the script objectively with the... Oh, yes. Okay. I, I get you. I, yeah, if somebody comes in and says, I want, or sends, you know, I get scripts from all over the, I'm not saying the world, but, 
you know, I get scripts from everywhere, so obviously they aren't going to come into my office. And I do script consulting. I, you know, straight structure, you know, story, character development. I, I mean, I've taught script writing at UCLA, and I've taught it at USC, et cetera. So in those cases, I don't start saying, you know, well, this is really your father or whatever. Uh, if the script isn't working, I get a little more insight into... Is it something from the past that's really bothering them? But I'd never assume to start, you know, doing therapy on a writer. I would help them with their script if that's what they want. And if it's not working, we might get into uh, other issues about how to make it work, but they might delve deeper than to say, oh, change your act three to act two, you know, or, or start with an inciting incident. So it's really quite... Um, it's really, I, I, it's really quite complementary to both, you know, fields, and they also get some insight into themselves. But I would never. It's usually when a person comes in and says, "I can't write," or uh, "I'm blocked," or I, "I got rejected again." I mean, I'm working with someone now who just got an agent, and he couldn't get an agent before. He was a brilliant writer. But it was his persona. He didn't know how to act. So I help people with, look, you can't go in with hat in hand and say, oh, could you be my agent? You have to have them give, you know, have confidence. So I work on the outside as well as the inside, but it's, it's both so, together. Uh, just, just to go on this line, I mean, you know, in, in the same way, a good, any good story is informed by specifics that, you know, are compelling. Um, can you give us a few specific cases in your therapy? I mean, I'll pick one that you said, somebody, you know, my relationship with my father. Can you, can you give us a specific example of somebody who came in really clueless as to what their real problem was and what the big revelation was and then how it went back to them returning to their script? I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of leading you, but I would just love to hear such a, such a specific example from your repertoire of, of work, of therapy I'll give work. You, I'll give you... I'll give you like snippets, okay? Because I don't want yeah. to go into you know confidentiality and say. Okay, oh no no no! no. I'm, not, I'm not I'm not saying tell us what Akiva Goldsman uh, did oh, to, okay. to, to to realize that you know that that uh, that Batman and Robin wasn't a good idea. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> just, right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, whatever, yeah, no. Well, it's, you know, those are the ones. I, I guess I'm saying that when people are writing personal stories, I have found. This is a generalization, but I have found, I'm not talking about Batman and Robin, I'm talking about the personal stories that they usually get blocked somewhere that they were blocked in their lives, so that the writer is really replicating similar problems that they have had in the past from childhood, but don't, aren't aware of it. So in some cases, like I had uh, one man came to see me. He was working on the same script for five years. Now, that's a little, you know, let it go already and write another script. So, you know, it turns out it was a father and son. And it was interesting because this is when I had first started out. He was taking my class at UCLA, and he came to see me for script consulting. Well, anyone working on a script for five years and are blocked over and over, there's some issues if they know how to, you know, if they know the structure. So my determination is, is it the script? Do they not know how to write? Or usually, when it's an emotional problem, they do know how to write, but they're not writing. So in this case, he was writing about a policeman 
and a brother who was wayward, you know, he got in trouble, and then the good brother. And it turned out after reading his script, instead of just saying, oh, change this, I, I realized that the policeman was his father, mm-hmm. that the, the bad brother was the side of him that had been an alcoholic and drug addict, and the brother, the main character, who was the person who was struggling, was the person who he wanted to be now and overcome the, the father who was very a uh, martinet and very mean and abusive and overcome the fact that he resolved it through drugs. You know, that's how he dealt with it. So that was such a wonderful way to find a therapeutic result and a help in his script, which even he didn't realize, you see. Did he so finish got, the draft? Pardon me? Did he finish the draft? Yes. Well, he came to me as a client. I mean, he started no. therapy. Right, and I'll tell right, you no, another one. There was yeah. a, a professor at UCLA who yeah. wrote wonderful, you know, thesis or whatever that you do for, well, I'd say published. She was a published professor in research and things and very highly thought of. And when she came to see me, this is a very powerful story. She had physical ailments. She had uh, heart palpitations and she uh, had high blood pressure. As, all of that, I, and she came to see me because she was blocked in her script. So she started therapy, because, and, her, and she wrote another script, because the script she was writing was so painful that the pain of the past was somatizing her, you know, it was taken in her body. She was somatizing the pain and actually did have to, she got off her medication, and she did get off seeing a, car, a cardiologist. So the point was, she wrote a new script in three weeks, and she was blocked for like two years. So that's a perfect example about how close the writing is to the writer. Right. It's cool. You you don't think often, I mean, a lot of the times, at least a lot of the conversations that we have on this podcast or this show are about uh, projects and their commerciality or how to make films more commercial or, or how to you know, get films into the marketplace better and how the marketplace will receive them. And we spent a lot of time on this show talking about it from that end of it. And we don't spend a lot of time hearing it from this side of the fence, which is that the stories that people tell a lot of the time are incredibly personal. And so it's actually kind of refreshing to hear what you're saying because it sounds like there's a lot of people out there trying to tell incredibly personal stories and that those stories are affecting their writing. Yeah, so they don't know their personal stories. They aren't aware, like as I say, the man who wrote about a policeman and a druggy brother and the, and the brother who was like a good kid. Those were three parts of himself, or his, besides his father and his brother in real life. But he didn't know, oh, I'm writing about three parts of myself. Let, the, let me ask you, Rachel, then, just, just to kind of just to, to move things a little bit forward here in terms of maybe some of the, the practical things that, that writers can start thinking about to help them in their process. What are, you know, where, where do you start when you look at a script? When, when a script hits your desk for the first time, what are the questions that you're asking? What are the questions that you're asking of your, I mean, of both yourself and to the writer? Okay, I mean, I find that most people, I mean, now we're talking about technical, the the, the uh, rules of dramaturgy, correct? I mean, that's what you're asking now? Yeah, I mean, I mean I, 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 okay. I, I'm pretty sure we could spend a lot of time talking about the philosophy 
of it. Although I do just kind of want to move into yes, some of the more practical stuff that you spend uh, okay. with your, yeah with with your students because I think that'll be helpful for our audience. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I took I taught at UCLA for fifteen years. Uh, you know, screenwriting or script writing, and uh, I come from the belief that there is only one main character in any story. So, right. uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people think there aren't, but I, I think there are. So well, I, always, I, 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 I just so you know, we, we subscribe to the same theory. Although, you know, I mean, it, it is tough to do that with something like, I don't know, Robert Altman films where there's 24 characters Oh, well, those around. are like, yeah, but, but they're like... But they're, um, the, out, they're the outliers. We're, yeah, no, they're yeah. the outliers. And as far as structurally is concerned, we, you know, we, for whatever it's worth, you know, in the universe, our office holds of the same theory. So, right. Yeah, thanks. So let's proceed with that. Yeah. Okay, so I read a script. First I read a script. Let's say you sent me a script, and I'd read it. If I see it's 300 pages, I know you don't know a thing about writing scripts. You know, I mean, right, right. really, I, I think people aren't aware that it's highly, I mean, that they'll get turned down. If it's send it to a, like your studio and it's 150 pages, you know. Right. So how, how, often, at, how often do you get somebody saying, "No, but my story needs it." Oh, you know you what know. I get? Oh, but this is how it really happened. That kills me. This is how it really. <laughs> how it really Nobody happened. cares how it really happened. <laughs> you know, I have. That's great. I've had yeah. scripts that it were they were so difficult to read because. They were all over the place. So, you know, have an intention. What do you want your story to be? I, I, I think, like, we have this interview right now. If I didn't know who you were or where to call or who your audience was, what good with this interview? So you have to have a destination, and, or, and you need... So I read it the first time for just content. And quite frankly... A lot of the content doesn't work because it's all over the place. You know, uh, it, I think there are three things that are very important. Knowing where you're going so you can have everything be causal, you know, cause and effect. Uh, having one main character who really desperately has a goal. And it can be a desperate goal of I want love. But who do you want love from? A specific. And finally, when you have your ending, know that it's, the seeds of your ending are really in your beginning. Right. And if you could get that, because I find most of the problems are dialogue is our monologues. Uh, people are all over the place from scenes so they don't relate. And that there's nobody who has a really desperate objective to move that story forward and take the reader or viewer with you. So that's what I read. I read three times. I read first for content. Obviously, I have to know what it's about. And then the second time, I start reading it for, like, individual pages. Uh, does, you know, is there a turning point or is there a plot point? I'm not big on plot points. I'm really big on the three-act structure of Aristotle. So mm -hmm. that's what I look at. I don't go into graphs or things like that. I just do it from the point of view of the character, because the character's a story. And if people disagree, you could say, well, what's your life story? 
Jeff, what's your life story? Oh, you no, don't, create don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I couldn't help it. I gave you a singer, but I, I couldn't help it because, you know, people go, no, 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 no. The, it's not the character. It's a plot. Well, our lives come from us. Every no. day when you wake up, you are hopefully the main character in your own script. Well, you know, it's but funny. Most of us yeah, aren't. It's funny that you say, like, the first thing that that, that you said um, is actually synonymous to what Linda Seeger said on the show, who was just recently on uh, episode. What episode was she on? For those who are listening who want to listen to Linda Seeger, episode number 41. Um, so, craftjock.com slash 41. Linda said that. Uh, which is essentially akin to what you just said, is that you have to have a vision, and that's the number one place that you need to start. So it's just interesting to, to hear both of you say effectively the exact same thing. Exactly. Different ways of saying the same thing. I, I totally agree. I feel that the third time I read the script, I say, what is the point of this script? What are you saying? Are you saying there's no justice? Are you saying that life sucks, you know, and then you die? What are you saying? And it's not moralizing. It's really you. Why would why bother spending a year or, or five months or two years on a script if it if you have no passion for it? You know what? I've changed my mind, Rachel. I actually do want you to give Jeff a therapy uh, session. <laughs> I wasn't giving him a therapy session, but I was no, saying, why no, do no. people you know think it's so it's so strange when you say, oh, well, it's a character. Well, the plot comes out of the character. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we, 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 we. I mean, again, it's not for us to to agree with you, but for whatever it is worth, um, you know, we, you know, when we talk about story in our office, we we talk generally about the, you know, first with what is this movie? What is the concept of this movie? Because the right. concept has to have something. Then we move on to what the what the what what the actual you know what the board is in terms of the arc of the story. What you know what what are the the transformation, the yeah. Exactly. What's the basic arc? And eventually it has to come back to what's the character arc, because that's all a character, all an audience ever cares about, really. Yeah. Is, 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 that may, is that protagonist, his absolutely overriding need to go and get something or to have something or, or a desperate need, as you said, and then in achieving it, how have they changed? Exactly. Uh, you know, it's yeah. really interesting because as you were speaking, I thought, that's a lot of the problems that writers don't have. They look at the scene by scene, but they don't yeah. look at the overall vision or, or the, the destination of the character. And if the character doesn't grow and change, why do you have to even bother watching the film or the TV show? You know, it, it's also this also makes me think of, uh, and this is something that I, I, I had recently heard, and I never actually thought about it until very, very recently when it comes to just the whole the whole idea that a lot of the times people will look at scripts and they'll, and they'll go, okay, well, the dialogue sucks or the structure sucks or, you know, the, the tone's not quite right. And they don't right. realize that you can't necessarily talk about the dialogue as an absolute thing or the structure as an absolute thing because everything is so intricately intertwined. As somebody who's talking... Uh, you know, and if the, if the story's set in the West, you're going to have just a fundamental way of talking differently than if it's, you know, a sci-fi. Or the tone influences the dialogue, influences the character, influences the structure, and that all these things are, are you know, they 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 all 
sort of commingle and that it's very difficult to, to pull them apart. So I actually wanted to get your opinion on that. When you're looking at scripts, do you take uh, a holistic approach to a script or do you spend some time actually thinking about each one of these things and their component parts and, and, and how does that kind of weigh into your, your process? Yeah, as it were. Uh, when you say hol- holistic uh, approach, what are you referring to exactly? I, I guess just to use um, an analogy would be if someone says the dialogue sucks, that's you're, you're kind of presupposing that if you were to just take the same script and same structure and same everything and just had somebody else rewrite it, that it would still be good, where it probably wouldn't be good because there would be other fundamental issues with the yeah. script. So you, so you can't you can't really look at one element and go okay exactly. if, we, if we just fixed you know the dialogue if we just fixed the structure or if we just fixed this character I'm, I'm talking about it from a very specific kind of point of view and that's what I mean by a uh, holistic approach to uh, your sessions with writers versus maybe a more component kind of piece approach I, I don't know I mean it's kind of I, sort of, I hear what yeah. you're saying and I mean the obvious uh, we're not talking about craft now, really, uh, because you could say, well, most of them people write monologues. But uh, I would say everything is interrelated. I, I, I mean, just like you said, if the dialogue doesn't work, the character doesn't work. And every character should have a different voice. Uh, and some people write so every character sounds the same, you know, like a 12-year-old kid, teenager, or would sound like a grandmother and, it, and people don't look at um, you know at what they're doing and saying wait a minute grandmother wouldn't talk like this but also then the way a character talks is the way their nonverbal communication is I mean it's opposite that's very important how does how do they look how do they are they you know good posture arrogant you so the arrogance of a character has to reflect in its dialogue, in the arrogant dialogue of a character. And a shy character would be reflected in the way they present themselves. So it's atmosphere, it's presentation of the character, the inside of the character. And what I found helpful for people when I taught uh, or when I consult is getting the best adjective. You go into a thesaurus and finding the best adjective you can for each person each character, and trying to reflect that character as, let's say, shy, or let's say, aggressive, or let's say, sociopathic. And so the consistency would be in the dialogue, in the character, in how they are motivated, and, uh, and, how, and who they are in the um, process of the script. So I agree with you. Everything is not isolated. It's all integrated. And holistic, as you say. Another thing that you might be interested in that I have come up with uh, is called the Balan Method Writing. And it came to my attention after dealing with a lot of people that actors get this, you know, internal training from the past and their sensory memory and things like that. And so my books, like there's one called Breathing Life into Your Characters, How to Give Characters Psychological Depth and Emotional Depth, that you can't give to your characters as a writer what you can't give to yourself. So as a kid, if you were not allowed to talk back or you weren't allowed to express your emotions, your characters usually will be very bland. And I've worked with people who have won awards 
after they started working on themselves. So when you assume that an actor will take, you know, he has one role and he'll be going internally forever and remembering his sensory memory, you know, with senses and memories from the past, why wouldn't a writer, why, why would we assume that a writer shouldn't do the same thing? And if they're creating ten characters, why don't they touch ten emotional aspects of themselves? So right. that really ties into what you were talking about. It's really the writer who creates everything, and why aren't they going internally to give to their character what they need themselves? And, and so I have people do writing from the right brain, and the method writing is writing from your past, writing without expectations, writing without, you know, grammar or worrying about spelling, and you just write. And sometimes people write the best scenes that way than when I'm teaching a class on writing and structure and character, writing from the right, right brain. And right. Um, what uh, this is more of a of a pinpointed question, but it just flew into my head. So I, in the spirit of the right brain line of questioning, <laughs> um, I'm just going to ask it. Uh, so I, I know another another um, uh, right uh, script doctor who we're very close with, who um, uh, says, you know, he asks a question. How many? How he ask a question to somebody he's working with? How many of the scenes need to be a fight? And the answer can vary from half of them to a third of them to two thirds or three quarters or whatever. And then he has to say, you know, every scene has to be a fight. Um, obviously, that's fight in quotation marks. It's not, you know, literal. But um, what do you what do you say to that theory? As far as you know, I mean, it's obviously a simple, a, a, a very basic concept of, of providing conflict. But um, how do you know? How do you look at that that part of screenwriting? Uh, the conflict between characters? Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, it doesn't well, have to, it's emotional conflict. That's how I look at it. I right. don't look at fight scenes or things like that. Um, and I don't look at, you know, the vampires and all that. I'm much more into the emotional tension between characters. And I mean, if you take when Harry met Sally, it's a classic. And nothing really happened. Harry met Sally, and then everything happened, and both of them transformed. But there was conflict. You know, one wants something, and one want, doesn't want them to have it. It's just basic as that. You know, it's, all you have to do is look at Thanksgiving or Christmas family gatherings, and you'll see much conflict. I mean, it. Let's face it, I often have people write scenes when it's near Thanksgiving of a Thanksgiving dinner, and I, you know, Woody Allen always gets Thanksgiving or something like that. And then people really, in families, there's a dynamic conflict from the past or the present or whatever. And what was the movie that uh, Meryl Streep was in just recently? I'm thinking of, I can't think of the name of it right now. And... Uh, where there was all this family conflict. She was dying, and her children came to see her. Do you know what one I'm talking about? Uh, no, oh, Julia Roberts don't. was in it, and uh, she was the daughter, and another daughter came home. But the point is... Oh, I know, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, the, the, sorry, it's um, the one that was nominated for Academy Awards, and we can't remember the name of it. 
Uh, that one, yes, that one, yes. Yeah, that one. Well, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. the one that I love, where not a lot happened. Uh, now I'm not, now I'm blocking on the name where the father and son go back to his town. The father has Alzheimer's. Uh, it was. Right. Uh, it was August, Sage County. Yeah, that was right. The yeah. yeah, I, I mean those yeah, are yeah. filled with conflict, and yet another, you know, nothing's happening in terms of guns and bombs and things like that. So I always approach emotional conflict, even in scripts where there's a lot of actual physical contact. You know, like a war, this or that. If there's no emotional conflict, it doesn't work. Do you ever bring the topic of? And my assumption is. The answer to this question is going to be no, but I am curious. Do you ever bring the topic of marketability or uh, commerciality or sort of what the audience or how the audience will eventually react to the film and whether the the, uh, writer can sell it, get it to a producer? Does that ever enter into any of the conversations, or are you just strictly focused on story? No, I mean, I I focus on how to to pitch a story. Uh, I focus on... Okay, the, when the writer when the writer great. has a script, yeah. pardon me. Yeah, no, I, I I think that 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 is an, that that's fantastic. I I actually want to pin pinpoint that. Can you, okay. can you talk about how you how you coach pitching? Yeah, well, I'll tell you. I mean, people will. Co- this is very interesting. I know there are a lot of people who you know pitch and teach pitching and have pitching classes and everything. But that's all great. But how do you present yourself? What do you feel about yourself? If inside you feel like you're worth nothing and you really can't write, you're not going to, you can have your pitch down perfectly, pitch wise, you know, word wise, you know, act one, act two, act three, or the log line, but you're not going to give a very good presentation. And so I try to work with people from the inside, truly. I mean, I give them a pitch, but. We also work on how do you present yourself? Do you come in nervous? Because that's how you're judged. You really, I mean, you know that. You know, you might have great writers, and they, if they come in all nervous and things like that and look down, and, and how are you going to have confidence in them if they don't have confidence in themselves? So I think presentation is very important. Eye contact, good handshake. You know, if you're nervous, let those butterflies be in your stomach in formation take a deep breath but people judge you by it's like what badge you're wearing before you start to talk so if someone comes in and they're a great writer and they don't sell you because they're so nervous and uh they they lose you or yeah they lose you because of their presentation of themselves so you have to present yourself with power and then as if you know so you're nervous. They don't want to know you're nervous. You can't go into pitch meetings. Oh, I'm so nervous. I don't know what to do. You won't want to buy their script, even though it's a great script. On the other hand, the person who's really confident, I'm not saying this is good, and they don't know how to write that well, they can sell you because their script might not be that good, but they're good enough to sell you on it. So basically, I don't talk about the commerciality of the script. It's it's pitching. I give them a pitch, but I talk in the passion that they feel towards their script. And I mean, there's so many good scripts that aren't commercial, and yet they win the Academy Awards or they, you know, Emmys, 
And uh, I'm thinking of Ordinary People. That's one of my favorite m- movies. Oh, it's a masterpiece, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of that. Okay, that's not commercial. Who knew? But look how it touches everyone. I still use that as a, you know, teaching tool. That and the great Santini, the relationship stories. And I think that's what people want. So do I talk about the commerciality? No. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's so esoteric that it's off the wall, I certainly would tell them that. But I think if you hook the people on the... By the, if I touch my heart, I'll touch the character's heart. So is, it, character is it safe to say, would it be safe to say, Rachel, and I'm just, you know, just leaping out into the void here, would it be safe to say that while you care about every writer that walks, or I'm putting it backwards, the fact that you're open to any type of story and not saying, look, you can't sell a drama these days. You can't sell this these days. The fact that you're open to any story really is because you, as a person, care about every writer who walks through the door as a person. Yes, absolutely. And they're not going to write if they're writing from out there. I'll give you a perfect example. I had a graduate student who had, you know, they had to write a script and uh, for uh, at USC for the Peter Stark uh, production, you know, division of that and he came in and he said I don't know what to write and I don't know what to do and he was like 26 or something and he said I have to write this short film and he was looking for high concept you know really commercial commercial blah 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 and uh, I said look what do you care about well anyway to cut to the chase he wrote about a kid who's afraid to go into water and and uh jump in the water and it's 10 minutes and at the end of the 10 minute script the kid jumped into the water and it was a metaphor for him and he won a prize or whatever contest it was and he got a a job at one of the big studios but that's because he wrote from the heart and he and he wrote his truth because he thought that wouldn't be interesting. I encouraged him to write his truth. So is that commercial? No. Did he win whatever they had to win? Yes. Did he get a job at a studio? Yes. So I say, you know, start with you. You're the main character of all your scripts, or you are the cast of characters. And you have a hundred stories inside you right now. Anyone listening to this, each one of them has hundreds of stories inside themselves. But then you make them, you know, fictionalized. But it's the feelings beneath the story that's really the real story. Um, Rachel, just because we're, we're we're bumping up here now to the end the end of the episode, and I wanted to just give you an opportunity to talk about your most recent book. Um, do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit about what that is and and where they could get a copy if they so choose? Yeah, my book. I have written five books, and they're all about writing. But my last three books, uh, which are on Amazon, I guess they're also on Barnes and Noble. I'm not sure. Uh, but they're e-books now because that's all they seem to want. Uh, the one that lends, the two that lend themselves to what our discussion is today is one that is called The Writer's Portable Therapist, 25 Sessions to a Creativity Cure. And it has issues like self-doubt, 
You know, it all starts with the writer. Or it has issues of procrastination, perfectionism, uh, uh, and the one I like is submission anxiety. You know, so it's about if you've been rejected, how do you get yourself up there again and pitch again and go out to meetings? That, that so this is more about the writer dealing with blocks, and the other one is the writer dealing with his or her own uh, emotional component. It's called Breathing Life into Your Characters, which I mentioned before, and that book was. Uh, that book was the book of the month when it was published uh, by Writer's Digest. And that book really is a wonderful book for writers to have self-therapy because everything I have you do for your uh, characters, I first ask, would, what would you do for yourself? So, example, if you were the role in your family, if you played the role of the cut-up or the family clown, uh then you would put those feelings into a character. But so when I say, well, what role does your character play in your script? And this, let's say it's about a family. Uh, what role does that kid play in your family script? It would have to be first, what role did you play in your family? And you will find so much wonderful uh, answers because you'll be doing self-therapy. You won't even need a therapist. And then you get deeper into your characters because you answer the questions for yourself first. And it talks about the different types of problems, you know, psychopath, sociopath, schizophrenic, and then talks about family dynamics. And that is a book that's very... Those, both of these books are helpful for the writer and the writing. And the other books are strictly structure books, you know, like Blueprint for Writing, Blueprint for Script Writing, I mean for Screenwriting, and they are strictly structured, so I wear many hats when I deal with writers, you know. All right, Jeff, over to you. Last question. First and last? First and last. My goodness. Um, how are you feeling today, Rachel? Oh, I wanted to ask <laughs> you that first. How did you know that I wanted to ask you that? <laughs> well, because, because uh, you, I'm assuming you've seen all of True Detective. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, you know, uh, no, I really uh, haven't. I really haven't, but I've seen some of them. Yes. Okay. Well, it's it's it's, it's masterfully done. Because I, I think because uh, you know, as I like to say, conceptually, there was absolutely nothing about that uh, show that actually, you know, is something you haven't seen before. But the right. execution was so superb in every regard: the writing, the acting, the direction, uh, the camera work. Everything was so superbly done that it just elevated it. And it was because it had emotional cores um, and, 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 and wonderful emotional cores. But at one point in the, um, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the flash forwards where the two separate main characters, uh, you know, although ultimately uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey is the main character, but both Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey being interviewed separately by cops on this ongoing case when, from when they were cops. And um, Woody Harrelson is asking them about the interview of Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and they're now estranged in, in the present day. And uh, the, the, the two cops say, well, you know, we were, we were looking into him. And he said, well, how long did you spend with him? And they said, I think they said something like six hours or eight hours. And, and, they say, and he says to them, well, if you spent that long with him, you weren't looking into Rust. He was looking into you. 
Mm. <laughs> so, I like so you that. Asked, how, how did I know that that uh, uh, that you uh, <laughs> you were going to ask me how I'm feeling? <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. I'm glad you're this. entertaining yourself. <laughs> I am very much therapizing the therapist. Hey, happiness is the is the uh, is is the is the one currency we run on here. Yeah, um, that's true. Rachel. Anyway, Rachel. Thank, thank you. you. Yep, from both of us. Jeff, thank you for coming on. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Jesse, for having, for having me in the room below you. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> and thank you both. I really enjoyed this interview. This was fun. This was fun. Yeah. All right. Really, uh, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. We'll catch you all Take later. Care. Thanks for listening, okay. everybody. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.